it's uh, 5.30. We'll call to order the Wednesday, July 21st, 2021 meeting of the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board. You would all please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Uh, members of the board, before we get started, uh, Ms. Shank, uh, due to circumstances beyond her control, could not attend, but she has requested that she can attend by phone. And uh, according to our attorney, we can do that with a consensus of the board. So is there a consensus to let her attend by phone? Yes. Yes. No one has a problem? All right. Is she hooked up? Yes, she is. Ms. Shank, you were approved to um, attend by phone? Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Smith? Here. Ms. Lucas? Here. Mr. Albano? Is excused. Mr. Scully? Here. Ms. Shank? Here. Mr. Lemon? Here. Ms. Nicholson? Present. Ms. Bolt? Here. Bye. We have a quorum. Thank you. Our first item on the agenda is the approval of the meeting minutes from the May 19th meeting. Does anybody have any questions or corrections? Is there a motion to approve? I'll make a motion to approve the meeting minutes from May 19th. Is there a second? Second. All right, there's a motion and a second. Um, Jackie, would you call the roll? Mr. Lemon? Yes. <laughs> Ms. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Ms. Smith? Yes. Mr. Smith, I'm sorry. Motion carried. Thank you very much. Item two is the Old King's Boat and RV Storage Special Exception, application 4790. Um, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a, um, uh, a special exception for uh, RV boat uh, storage. Um, it was previously approved. Um, but they are adding some acres to it, and so we are going to do a new special exception. And Mr. Hoover is uh, ill, so I am going to be Mr. Hoover, but Mr. Tyner, and I'm going to go up, up there and do the presentation for him. Thank you. This is for, like I said, the Old King's Road boat and RV storage. Um, get this going. Sorry. Did I? Got it. And um, the property is located on Old King's Road. Uh, the overall site is 16 plus acres, and it's located about uh, a little over a half mile north. Um, the applicant is requesting special exception for a, a mini warehouse, which is categorized as mini warehouse, office warehouse, or self storage with our land development code. Facility is located in Com 2, a commercial 2 zoning district, um, which requires a special exception. Property is specifically going to be utilized for boat and RV storage with no office buildings. As you can see here, is the future land use map. Um, the, pro 
subject property you can see highlighted in black is designated as mixed use, the red color. Um, that uh, future land use zoning district allows a variety of different, or the future land use district allows a lot of uh, zoning districts, including Com 1, 2, 3, industrial, office, um, public, semi-public, and, and all residential zoning districts. <coughs> Self-storage facilities are permitted uses in Com 3. And again, if they're in Com 2, they require a special exception. This is our existing zoning map depicting the property that's surrounded with the black uh, line there. To the north is uh, uh, an estate one uh, zoning district. It's kind of odd that is uh, historically is the uh, cemetery, the Masonic Cemetery, and, and I think that bled over for when we got annexed and it kept that uh, kind of estate zoning, whatever was the allowable use in the county. Uh, but it, there is, you know, it's not a property of anybody living there. Uh, it's a cemetery. And then um, we have master plan development to the east, and most of that area to the east is predominantly wetlands. South, we have some commercial three, some high-intensity commercial. That's where the future Walmart site, I believe they still own the property. That's where that's located. Across the street, we have uh, COM2 and some public, semi-public where a pond is. And then on the other side of 95, you have the master plan development. The background, again, um, as I stipulated that on, Ray, yes. Um, on some of the diagrams, the, the parcel is crossing Old Kings Road. And yeah, yeah, that is just a bleed out um, on, on the zoning map on, on this layer. What had happened is if you go down Old Kings Road, you'll see that um, there's still an old segment of the old, the older section of Old Kings Road and the city improved it when they four-laned it. And that was just kind of bleeding over. Um, this, this property more accurately kind of depicts it where that black line is, is where actual the um, Old Kings Road uh, meanders. Again, on, you know, as I said, uh, July 15, 2020, Planning Board approved a special exception for 4.78 acres uh, for a storage facility in the south central portion of the overall site. Um, as with most special exceptions, the approval contained numerous uh, conditions to ensure that it remains compatible with the surrounding uses. This is just a close up, some of the their conceptual plan that they are anticipating. The total site area of approximately 16 acres. We have some impervious area of about 6.17 acres, pervious of 9.06, and some wetlands of 0.76. So they have a variety of different parking spaces um, that can utilize the storage facility. With any special exception, our land development code has an analysis in section 2.0703. Um, I think there's more detailed analysis in your staff report. I'll just summarize some of it here. Uh, that it's consistent with the specific requirements for that particular use that's set forth in this LDC. The site will be developed under all applicable standards of the commercial two district. It meets the concurrency requirements of the LDC. All of the, you know, the roadways are in place, the level of 
service, there's water, there's sewage, um, and those type of level of service are available for, for the site. Is it compatible with the surrounding neighborhoods and promotes the value of surrounding land structures or buildings? The site plan shows that much of the intensity of the storage facility has been designed to be an inter internal to the site. Staff has also placed uh, special conditions at the end that you saw in your staff report um, and in the draft development order for specific conditions to help the compatibility. Compatibility shall be further reviewed under other factors including architectural design and screening standards that are in some of our conditions. Uh, the applicant um, achieved the 14-day requirement for sending out certified mail to neighboring properties uh, for tonight's uh, planning board hearing. That's a requirement of our special exception for all adjoining properties that they get notification via the special exception. Um, to date, staff has not received any comments at all for or against the project um, from, from the public. Our recommendation is um, approval of this special exception with the following conditions. Um, number one, outdoor vehicle storage service are limited to operable boats, automobile pickups, vans, trailers, and recreational vehicles. Storage service shall not be provided for any heavy duty trucks, semi tractor, trailers, dump trucks, full side buses, shipping containers, or large construction equipment. Number two condition is on-site boat and vehicle repair and maintenance is, is limited to things such as washing, cleaning, detailing, maybe tire changing, battery replacement, or other really minor services or repairs. Recreational vehicles shall not be used for on-site residential use. If you have a, you know, a camper, you can't sleep there, basically. Three, an on-site business for the sale, leasing, or rental of boats, recreational vehicles, trucks, trailers, or construction-related equipment um, prohibited. Number four, all vehicle and boats being stored shall be limited to the designated boat recreational storage spaces and shall not extend into or occur within driving lanes or other non-designated storage areas. During the technical site plan process, this is number five, the applicant shall provide a tree survey and demonstrate on the engineering and landscape plans that as many trees are, as possible are being saved between the storage facility, impervious area of the Old Kings Road, and within the 15-foot wide landscape buffers along the north and south property lines. And number six. Provide a 15-foot wide landscape buffer along the north property line adjacent to the cemetery property and along the southern property line adjacent to the canal with shade trees at 1 per 50, understory trees at 1 per 50, a tall screen planting and an 8-foot tall black chain link fence with four years of uh, certificate of completion for storage facilities such planting provide at least 80% capacity and a minimum height of 12 feet. Just a, just a note a little bit about this condition number six and, and number seven as it relates to this fence. That's a last kind of resort. We're not requiring a fence. If you, if you have the opacity in the trees, it's pretty thick there. So if you can't you know, see it, it's, it's pretty screened. We're not going to require a fence if you don't need a fence. Number seven, again, is related to buffering a 35-foot type B buffer along Old Kings Road, except that short screen and accent planes would be 
replaced with a tall screen and an eight-foot tall solid pressure treated fence that would remain natural or painted with a light brown or green color or similar fence except for those staff. Within four years of uh, certificate of completion for the storage facility, such painting shall provide at least 80% of the passage of the area above the fence to a minimum height of 12 feet. And number eight, during the technical site plan process, the applicant's traffic engineer shall provide a detailed traffic study acceptable to the city traffic engineer, analyzing access points into the site, determine if any additional on-site stacking spaces or turn lanes for vehicles entering the site are warranted. This is pretty standard. Once we get to a technical site plan, we're gonna analyze you know, the turn lanes and movements anyway, but we just wanted to add, it, add this in there because you know, the special, if, if the special exception is approved, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean the site plan's approved, so we wanted to add that in there. Number nine, uh, approval of a technical site plan, site development permit, and all other uh, departmental permits required by the land development code. Pretty, pretty standard language. Um, again, with the landscape, it's pretty thick out there now, but once they start clearing, we, we just want to make sure that there's reasonable assurances that it's going to, buffered from the road and, and be compatible. So again, with the fence and um, you know, with some of the other landscape requirements, if there's natural vegetation there and it's, and it's buffering, it's doing the job, we don't want to you know, unnecessarily plant trees where there's already trees. So it's just guidelines and standards. So. And then I, I do want to say that uh, the applicant's representative are in, uh, in attendance tonight. We have our attorney, Jay Livingston, and project engineer, uh, Kurt Wimpy, and they have a presentation. All right, will the applicant come forward? Jay Livingston here on behalf of SG Flagler Storage LLC. Um, our, my, my client as well as Mr. Wimpe, who's the uh, engineer, is here if, if there's any questions that are specific to them. Um, this graphic here shows the actual project. Um, it's just an introductory slide, but it shows you what's being proposed, what was just discussed. So the project location, as you know, um, is uh, just north of the Walmart parcel. Uh, this graphic actually is a good um, way to answer the question earlier about the overlap of Old Kings Road. That white line you see going through is the original right-of-way for Old Kings Road, and it shows you where it basically terminates into the existing right-of-way and carries down through the Walmart parcel. Um, you really can't see it, but um, it's going to be one of the benefits of this project. There's a little triangle there that is a pond that is part of the put in there as part of the Old Kings Road project, and that's going to be maintained with this, with this project, as you'll see in the next slide. Just north of that, there's actually that, that cigar-shaped um, pond. It's an old tarl pit, and that's going to be, uh, right now, it's grown up. It's, it's not very pretty. That'll be cleared out, excavated, so it can handle the stormwater storage and, and make it look a lot better. It shouldn't be visible from the road because of the screening, but we will be adding that benefit by cleaning that pond up, that old tarl pit that, you know, dates back way back in the day. Um, this slide shows you the, the, the current approved special exception. And um, the southern portion is only what was relevant to the special exception because the northern outlots were for commercial use. Um, I wanted to put this.
this on there so you could see exactly the transition of where, we're, where, where we are now, where we're going with this proposal. But um, as you can see, we have uh, an outside and, and, and some storage facilities that are on the southern part of this property. The access road actually comes in right where you see the old Old Kings Road right of way coming in. So at, on this plan, we have another turn in, you know, not too far from Walmart's second driveway access. And then we also have the, the existing triangle pond was going to be filled in, and that stormwater was going to be conveyed into the other pond or, or elsewhere um, based on those calculations. Um, now that we are moving away from this plan, those out parcels are now going to be, or at least the portion of them that's outside of the buffer that's required under this special exception, are going to be turned into additional storage facility areas. So. Um, this is the site data that's in the little table that you saw at the top of that plan. I just wanted to show it to you all so you could see the specifics of the project. Um, overall site area is 17 acres. The storage facility parcel in the original special exception was the 4.78 acres of the south side. Um, I didn't include the data related to the out parcels because they were not part of the special exception. They were not required because those would have been developed under the Tom 2 designation. Um, the new facility that we're proposing is essentially to, to spread out the storage facility. We're moving the access to the north, um, much further away from that existing access, retaining the existing retention pond and, uh, and, um, and uh, upgrading and cleaning up the, the borrow pit pond, um, staying completely out of the wetlands and um, in, in requiring a, a more significant buffer along the frontage where the out parcels were to ensure that we can achieve the adequate screening that staff's requiring. Um, as you can see on the north end, another other uh, important thing to point out is that there's actually, you know, you see there's two stub outs there for the road. We have our primary access into the storage facility where the gated access will be. There's a little sliver of land that actually runs along Old Kings Road that's owned by my client that separates the cemetery from the road. Um, cemeteries benefits from an easement, but right now if you drive up there, and I have a graphic that you'll see shortly, um, it's a dirt road. Um, when it rains, it gets wet. This plan will actually require us to put in a, um, a, an asphalt access that will benefit, there'll be a little stub out for the parking lot into the cemetery. So that'll also benefit that adjacent property. And then you can't really see it on this graphic because it's so small, but it should be visible in your staff report. The, um, the shaded line at the north end is, is, is indicating that 15-foot landscape buffer that staff requested to create a, a additional separation between the cemetery and the, um, the storage project. And these are the specific site data that's in the table, um, just easier to see. So you see we have a 16-acre total site area, um, shows you the impervious calculations, and then the types of spaces that are being proposed um, with 221 total spaces various outdoor storage uses in various sizes. Um, as Mr. Tyner went through, there's some standards that have to be met when a special exception is being requested. Um, there's two sections of the code that apply. 2.0505 is um, you know, standard development order requirements. And um, the staff report lays those out really nice. We, we you know, have no objection to and, and adopt and incorporate those, those recommendations from the staff report. But I did want to walk through them in case there's any specific questions about them and to just highlight a few things. Um, so in, in this section, um, the, the first requirement is that the proposed development must not be in conflict or contrary to the public interest. Um, in, in, in the sense of you know, compatibility, it, this is a, a, a pretty perfect site for this type of use because we're, you know, we're, 
cemetery use in the north. There is no use anywhere else because of that sliver of land and the separation. The parcel that's past the cemetery is, is encumbered by too many things to probably be of much use. To the south is Walmart. Um, there's no cross connection between Walmart and that. There's a, there's, a, there's a canal that runs through there, so compatibility is really not an issue. Um, the other thing that um, isn't addressed in the staff report, but it's important to understand is, you know, we have a lot of people in Palm Coast now, and we do have um, lack of storage. There's definitely more demand than supply in the storage um, storage world. Um, there's some more data on that later in the, in the presentation, but that also, you know, it's, it's in, instead of being in conflict with the public interest, we believe this project really, really supports the public interest because it provides that um, that need for the outdoor storage that people need for their toys and other 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 um, vehicles. Um, second requirement is the proposed development must be consistent with the comprehensive planning provisions of the LDC. Um, the site plan as designed is designed to, to satisfy LDC requirements. Um, as Mr. Kiner explained, in, in the, when you go through the technical site plan review process, the, the actual check the box compliance will be done and any revisions to the site plan that required to meet the LDC requirements will be addressed. Um, the project is in terms of its, its land use is consistent with the comprehensive plan. This is a mixed use zoning district. Uh, we're in the COM2 zoning, mixed use green designation. We're in the COM2 zoning district and a outdoor storage for this use is permitted as a special exception use. Uh, there are no policies in the comp plan relative to the mixed use zone district that um, are contrary to the proposed use. Um, next requirement is the proposed development must not, not impose a significant financial liability or hardship for the city. Um, this project won't provide any hardship to the city. Um, it'll generate impact fees. Um, there's already adequate facilities in place. Uh, the road is there, utilities are there. Um, it'll generate, you know, in, increase the tax base because it'll be non-vacant use, but there is no, there'll be no cost to the city for this project. The next requirement, the proposed development must not create unreasonable hazard or nuisance or create a threat to the general welfare, health, safety, or the city's inhabitants. Um, there's the staff report um, indicated that there's no concerns there. I couldn't think of any way that this could create a hazard. Um, and we're also creating a, um, um, the gated entrance to protect the safety of the people that are, that are going to be renting spaces in there. Um, and then the final one is proposed development must comply with all applicable local, state, federal laws, statutes, ordinance, regulations, or codes. Um, as I said earlier, the, the site plan was designed with the code in mind. Um, we'll have to go through our state level permitting for stormwater and um, the technical site plan will ensure compliance with, um, with the local code, the local land development code. So um, the site plan for, the, for all intents and purposes is already in compliance and any details that need to be refined will be handled through the technical site plan review process. Um, and then the other set of standards that apply, this is specific to special exceptions. And these, Mr. Kiner already went through these, but I just want to highlight a few things. So the first requirement is that it's consistent with specific requirements for that particular use to set forth in, the L, in this LDC. Um, as explained, um, we're going to meet those requirements. The site plan already attempts to meet those requirements. Um, one of the requirements relative to outdoor storage is screening, and there's extensive screening that's being provided here, in addition to fencing and a, a wider buffer, a type B buffer, uh, maintenance, ma trying to maintain as much as possible the existing vegetation. If you drive there, you'll see it's pretty thick. There's going to be a 35-foot buffer from the property line, which is even more so from the right-of-way line going from the road. And so um, we, we believe that the site plan, as, as presented, subject to the conditions
think that staff has, has proposed that we are okay with that we'll be meeting that, that screening requirement, which is the, the most relevant, you know, special condition for our outdoor storage in, in the land development code. Meets the concurrency requirements of this LDC. As Mr. Tyner indicated, there's water and sewer available. Um, in addition to that, um, although this is not a very big traffic generator, there's more than enough capacity on Old Kings Road for traffic. Um, it's a um, it's operating at a level B right now, so well above this, the standard that's set for the road, and we're not going to be contributing very much traffic. Uh, an outdoor storage use compared to almost every other com commercial use generates much less traffic. Um, I, I actually pulled one example. The, the original plan, um, um, the traffic study said that we were going to create 14 a.m., 14 p.m. peak hour trips and 105 daily trips. The updated traffic study, when removing the indoor storage that we were going to generate 4 a.m., 4 p.m., and 32 week, weekday daily trips. So we're reducing the trips with this project from the existing special exception. But a perfect example, and I pulled this from a project that you all are familiar with, which I've, I've been before you on it, and this is the rezoning to the south for the multifamily project. In that traffic study that we presented to you, we did a comparison of what a shopping center, like a retail commercial use, would generate. That was a 10-acre site. We gave you two scenarios in that study because we have a 0.2 FAR concurrency, vested, vested concurrency because of the land donation for the roadways. We could build up to 0.5. At a 0.2 FAR for a shopping center, you're going to be generating, according to the traffic study we presented for that project, 89 a.m. trips, 414 p.m. trips, and 4,596 daily trips. So on top of there being concurrency, this project is really going to take a lot of trips off the road that otherwise could be could be put there if it was developed for the other uses within the Pine Tree Zoning District. Um, and then there's a number of standards that also have to be that we reviewed as part of the special exception that's in the subset. Um, the um, staff went through them very well in their um, in their staff report, but um, I think the most important things are. Um, Architectural design doesn't apply because we're not proposing buildings, although we are proposing to make sure the aesthetics of the roadway is, is maintained by providing that screen buffer, um, which is the next requirement, fencing and screening and landscaping. And, and the basic design idea is 15-foot buffers on the edges that are going to be landscaped, a 35-foot buffer with maintaining as much of the existing vegetation as possible, additional plantings, and a fence to screen it. And then, as Mr. Tyner pointed out, if at some point down the road within that four-year period, if we're not meeting that 80% opacity requirement, it will also be required to potentially put in a wooden fence that will be provide even better screening. Um, so it's hopefully the vegetation will, will do the job, because I think we'd all agree that'll look nicer than a fence. But if the fence needs to be put in there, that'll be put in there. And then there's going to be perimeter landscaping to, to make sure that it looks nice from the road. Um, the next requirement is noise reduction, sign, and light control. This project won't generate very much noise. Um, the site plan process will ensure that the, the photometric plan doesn't result in any, any um, light pollution or bad lighting concerns, so that shouldn't be a concern at all. Um, storm drain and sanitation collection. Sanitation collection will be handled like all commercial uses, although the need here will be reduced significantly to other types of commercial uses. And the storm drainage will be handled through the master stormwater permit that will be submitted as part of the development. Uh, police and fire protection, uh, as staff indicated, there's no significant fire or police risk here, but um, to the extent that, you know, um, there would be any concern there, this is going to be gated and controlled access, so there won't be people that can go in and out except those that are leasing there, so there won't be any concern there. 
on-site traffic control. They're going to refine the access and the traffic control, possibly turn lane requirements um, at the technical site plan and approval. That'll be handled um, by staff once the, um, the site plan traffic study is performed. So that will be, the, there's an assurance that that will, be, that will be addressed and that's part of the conditions that were added to the approval that staff recommends. <coughs> and then any other matters that are related to development that foster desirable conditions or compatibility. Um, I think for the most part, that's this, this, this doesn't really apply, but the one compatibility issue that I think we would all agree that needs to be addressed is the fact that this use is appropriately screened. And as we've talked about several times already, there's an extensive screening plan that's been proposed and agreed to by my client. Um, to that point, first I wanted to show you the driveway. This is the existing access to the, the cemetery. and. Um, um, the area where that tree is kind of shading the, the dirt road, that's where it's going to be improved. So instead of just having this concrete driveway apron, now they'll have stabilized access, and hopefully one day they might be able to improve the, their parking or their access. But at least there won't be any washout issues with their access. Any storm water that's generated by that impervious surface we put down will have to be captured and put into the pond, so we're not going to be draining off-site. And I think that'll you know be a, a, a nice benefit to the cemetery. Um, and then I, I put this slide on here because I was a little bit confused as to the real extent of the buffer. When you look at the site plan in its full size, it looks like the boundary line of the, um, of the property, which is the project boundary line, is, which is right on the right-of-way. So I, I zoomed in, and I also got an aerial from Google Earth, and I prepared this map to show you this 35-foot buffer that we're talking about starts at the edge of that blue line on the aerial or that black line on the, on the, on the, um, on the site plan. So as you can see, there's quite a bit of separation between the right-of-way and the boundary line and even the edge of sidewalk and the boundary line. So the 35-feet buffer that's going to create that screening is going to um, in the, uh, from the blue line. So there's even more separation from the roadway that will hopefully um, maintain the, the visual aesthetics of the corridor. And then finally, just in going to the, to the need, um, the only facility I'm aware of that's in the immediate area that provides the same kind of use is Flag Earth Toy Storage, which is on Colbert Lane. This is a screenshot from their website from yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, two days ago, because I had to submit the PowerPoint um, before five that day. And as you can see, they do not have any availability. So they are full, and this project will hopefully address that need. That's all I have. If you all have any questions for either me or my client or Mr. Winkos, we're here for you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Livingston. <clears throat> Back to the board. Are there any questions of the board for the applicant or staff? I have a, a, a I was curious as to um, what extent you had communication with the people or persons that are involved with the cemetery. We sent them notice. Um, I, re as I represent the, the landowners that sold them this property, and over the years we've worked pretty closely with them, um, providing, making sure that there was access, making sure the road project didn't affect them. We didn't receive any response to the letter that we sent them related to the section inspection, um, the notice regarding this project. Um, but they've been wonderful neighbors since I've represented the landowners and owners in this region. So, um, but the, I, it was my understanding that the cemetery is in ill repair. Cemeteries, 
could use some love, yes, ma'am, for sure. Um, um, the you know, I think the Hall Creek pallbearers, who's in charge of actually maintaining it, and the Masonic Lodge, the Espanola Masonic Lodge, I believe, are the ones that are in charge of maintaining it. And they've done some things over the years. Um, recently, I'm, I'm not aware of any work out there. Um, Can you tell me about existing signage, if there is any, or, do, or there will be any new signage? To identify um, where the cemetery is and the access. If there's existing signage, then it will be either maintained or replaced when the road goes in, so those signs will be maintained. But I'm not aware of a sign at the entrance or anything. Yeah, I haven't. There, at one point, there was a sign that indicated it was there. I remember, but I have. I, the last time I drove up there, I didn't remember seeing a sign. I think there was a sign back when the four laning was done. Was, I yeah. think there was a sign put there, and they did some work on the entry and maybe a little bit of fencing or something, but. I don't know if the sign's still there today. Yeah, I, I have not seen one in a while. Um, it's too bad because there should be one. It's definitely a, a landmark in Plaza County that people should be aware of. Uh, is there any opportunity to include signage under this development? Um, well, we're going to have to put directional signage. Um, I would have to discuss that with my client, but uh, you know, if, if we need to mark, we mark what that access road is to. And we would obviously need this, the cemetery's permission because they may not want to sign there. You know, that's ultimately their call, but we, we can definitely reach out to them. How would that get back to us? I probably wouldn't. I think, though, if you just ask the staff to maybe coordinate with the applicant to see if they can work something out, it would, would be a staff issue. There's going to be a much better visual idea of where the access is with this roadway improvement, so it's a, it's a good opportunity to potentially address that issue. Right. Any other questions from the board? Just one quick one. Uh, I'm assuming this, uh, but just for clarity, the, the excuse me, the conditions stay with the, uh, the the property in the case of a change of ownership. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's a good question. The way the city handles it is the special exception <coughs> development order is recorded, so it becomes something that instead is tied to the property owner, it becomes part of the title of the property. Any further questions from the board? All right, seeing none, we'll open the public hearing. Um, any member of the public that wishes to address the board on this subject, please come forward, state your name and address, and you'll have three minutes. Is there anybody that wants to speak on this matter? All right, seeing none, we will close the public hearing. Uh, is there any further comments from the applicant or staff? No, sir. All right, back to the board. What's your pleasure? Make a motion to approve application 4790 to allow a, sp a special exception for mini warehouses, office storage, self-storage, subject to the conditions as written. All right, thank you. Is there a second? I'll second. I second. Okay, there's a motion and a second. Uh, Jackie, would you call the roll? Mr. Lennon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Motion carries 6 to 0. Thank you very much. We'll move on to item three, amending the future land use map designation for 108 acres of property from mixed use to residential and a site-specific policy to limit development on the 108-acre parcel to 295 dwelling units. 
Is this the same as as item four? It's well, they're two separate items, but you, we have one presentation. You're going to do one presentation, all right. yes, sir. That's what I wanted to know. Thank you. Okay. And uh, Mr. Papa will have the presentation. He will do the uh, future land use map portion, and um, I'll just let uh, Jose take the details. Sorry. Good evening, uh, Mr. Chair, members of the board, Jose Papa for the Community Development Department. Um, I will have two presentations, but they'll run together for the next two items. Um, this is both for Flagler Village. There are two applications before you today. One's the future land use map amendment and a rezoning. We'll start with the future land use map amendment for this project known as Flagler Village. Flagler Village is a parcel of about 108 plus or minus acres. It's vacant. It's currently it's located two mile, about two miles south of State Road 100 at the northeast corner of Citation Boulevard and Beltaire Boulevard. The proposed future land use map amendment is a change from mixed use, as you would see on the left, for that 108-acre parcel to residential. And along with that change to residential, there will be a specific policy to limit any development on that 108 acres to 295 dwelling units. The purpose for the future land use map amendment, one big purpose is that currently there is an approved PUD for the site, which we'll get into more with the rezoning. And so the, the, the change currently with, with the approved PUD there's about 445 units that are approved in a 108-bed ALF. Uh, those dwelling units are a mix of multifamily, single-family, and townhouses. And so they're basically um, located, if you look at the map on the left there, the highlighted areas are where you would have, you would have had the, multi, the approved multifamily and approved ALF. And as you can see with the proposed site plan on the right, those have all been changed to single-family lots. So with any uh, future land use map amendment, we look at the impact on public facilities, and so we simply look at uh, the different, the impacts of the proposed designation versus what's been approved now. And in this case, in lieu of looking at the maximum development potential of a 108-acre mixed-use site, we just took the approved PUD's uh, development entitlements and that came out that there, there would be a, a reduction in uh, impacts to, to public facilities. Reviewing the Im environmental impact of the proposed amendment, again, you already have a future land use map designation that would allow development. It is currently mixed use. So with the change to residential, there is really not an impact on the development potential of the site. Both both mixed-use and residential are uh, developable designations. And so looking at the environmental impact, there's no impact on the listed species within the site. Um, it's not in a special flood hazard area, no impact on groundwater resources, no impact on historical resources, and no impact on local topography on the site. It is consistent with surrounding land uses. Uh, it is, surrounding land uses are mainly residential to the north and to the east. And uh, to the south, there is a mixed-use uh, parcel, 
land use designation. And I should also say that to the west, it's mainly residential. Again, this is consistent with comprehensive plan policies that promote or to urge urban densities and intensities where you have utilities available, water, sewer, transportation. So again, this site is available, is adjacent to existing, to an existing arterial, and it's adjacent to existing water and sewer service. So staff's conclusion is that there are no significant impact on level of service or public infrastructure, no significant impact on environmental conditions. It's generally consistent with the surrounding land uses and consistent with a comprehensive plan. Staff is recommending that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board recommend that City Council approve for transmittal to the State Land Planning Agency this application with a future land use map amendment from mixed use to residential along with an amendment that limits development on the subject parcel to 295 dwelling units. For the rezoning, again, um, just uh, give you, giving you the, the location, same 108-acre parcel that we looked at for a future land use map amendment. The proposed rezoning here is to change it from the Citation Estates Master Plan Development to SFR1, single-family residential, in order to develop a gated single-family subdivision for up to 295 homes. As you can see on the map on the left, currently, this 108-acre parcel is designated MPD, or Master Plan Development. With the rezoning, it will become a single-family residential SFR1 site. And we've previously gone over this before. Again, the main change here, as you would see with the, from the zoning map amendment, is a change from the multifamily development potential, the ALF development potential, and that's another pod of multifamily, changing that again to single-family development as shown on the site plan on the right. Looking at the review criteria, staff has reviewed that, this, that, that the criteria within the land development code. Uh, criteria A is that uh, it must not be in conflict with the public interest. The SFR1 is an allowed zoning district in the proposed residential land use. And again, will be the single family development will be compatible with the other uses allowed in the surrounding areas. It must be consistent with the land development code and comprehensive plan. The project does meet the, is consistent with a comprehensive plan and is consistent with the, 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 the criteria established in the land development code. It does not impose a significant liability or hardship on the city. Again, public facilities are available adjacent to the site. You have a, an arterial that, is, uh, that will serve the site, Beltair Boulevard and Citation Boulevard. And that the development must not, or the change must not create an unreasonable hazard or nuisance. Again, the change to single family residential one is compatible with the overall neighborhood. Uh, since the surrounding areas are mainly, are primarily residential uses. And the project's residential uses, in addition, will provide demand for existing future commercial use, land uses in the nearby mixed use areas. And still, even with these approvals, the project will still need to meet all applicable local, state, and federal development requirements. 
for public participations, the applicants did notify by first-class mail all property owners within a 300 feet radius. The meeting was held at 5.30 on July 13th at the Hilton Garden Inn. In addition to that, there were two signs posted on the, on the, on the land to notify neighbors of upcoming a public hearing here at the Planning Board and also of the first City Council public hearing. Newspaper ad was ran, ran for this Planning Board meeting. Another one will be run for uh, the City Council meeting, which is scheduled for uh, the second meeting in August. I believe that's August 17th. And uh, staff has met with um, some neighbors who had interest in this application. So moving on, the next steps, as we mentioned, there will be two city, two city council public hearings for both the future land use map and the rezoning amendment. Um, the, the future land use map will be transmitted to the state after the first reading, <coughs> and eventually this would come back to the planning board as a subdivision master plan. So planning staff is recommending that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board determine that the proposed rezoning is consistent with the Comprehensive Plan Amendment and recommend approval to City Council to rezone the 108-acre <coughs> parcel from Master Plan Development to Single Family Residential One Zoning District. And the applicant is here with uh, a presentation. The applicant's Brett Markovich um, with CPH Engineering. Chairman and uh, board members, we appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I, I want to elaborate a lot could, on this. Could you thing. state your name and address? Oh, I'm sorry. Record. Brett Markovitz. I'm uh, the branch manager uh, for CPH here in Palm Coast, and my address is 23D Empress Lane, Palm Coast. Um, this evening, I'm representing the applicant, which is Mass Development. Um, I, and again, I won't elaborate a lot on this because it's just the same information that you've, you've kind of heard, but uh, basically this was a presentation that we gave at our uh, neighborhood meeting, and that is the proposal to change the zoning of the property from MPD, Master Plan Development, to SFR1, Single Family Residential. Um, I do note that the, the parcel is in yellow,
wetlands, um, clubhouse parcel, and actively past the recreation areas per city code. And this is just a summary of the comparison of the reduction Just to note that uh, in our uh, community, neighborhood community, we have uh, a, a good mix. We have 20 or so uh, neighborhood uh, neighbors attend. Um, and the consensus is what we usually get at a presentation like that. Number one, it, you know, the best development is no development. But um, it, I think it was positive. I think that the community was glad to see a reduction uh, from the mixed use to the single family. Um, but there is always concern of, you know, what's in my backyard, what's my view, what, you know, what do I see after the development, um, which I s assured uh, the community that the, um, that the developer is willing to, you know, to work those issues out as needed. And I'd be glad to answer any questions Thank you very much. Back to the board. Does the board have any questions of the applicant or staff? Go ahead. Um, a question with regard to the neighbors that were in attendance and, and or whom staff might have spoken to. Were any of them on Lema Trail or Luel Trail whose properties would actually back up to some of these new homes? Yes, ma'am. I believe we had uh, um, those individuals from, uh, from both of those any comments they're they're delighted they're elated they're concerned uh, well like I said obviously it's you know when you're in someone's backyard um, it's you know it is a, a matching uh, land use and so forth so um, but I think the more of the comment was that uh, you know they wanted to assure that you know those the existing lake to the northwest wetland areas shown in green were, you know, going to remain undeveloped and never could be developed, and that's true if that's, that's the case. Um, and then also on, um, on the east side, um, some of the residents were just, like there's an existing uh, drainage ditch that runs along the property, and I think some of their concerns were just how that ditch is maintained and, um, you know, what single-family homes those those lots um, actually the property um, will go to the center of the ditch so those lots will be a little bit shorter cover than compared to the back of the lots um, so that may require a little bit smaller square footage on the resident the homes but um, but other than that um, that was pretty much the comment and I, I believe some of those Then along the lake on um, Lookerwell Trail, there were some individuals I know I spoke to about um, where the existing lake is, and they wanted assurances that you know their view wasn't going to change and were concerned about it happening. But as you see here on the proposed plan, there's there's no development proposed for that area, and I just want to note that. 
you know, where, where it shows the phase four where those existing residential units are. That has not changed what is approved now in the master plan development agreement. Right. Any other questions from the board? Bill, I do have one other question. And I get, I realize this was previously approved, but is there any concern with regard to that phase four in terms of how many homes are on that stretch that really only has one way in and one way out? terms of fire, life safety, something happens, flooding. It seems like a lot of homes to be tucked back in with just one ingress and egress. Are they under 50, aren't they? Yeah, it's well under 50. I think the city requires a second entrance at 50 or more units. And that, to me, it looks like it's probably maybe two dozen at the most. Right. I, I think I counted on their plan as just like close to 32. Okay, yeah. as long as there's no concerns. Any other questions from the board? Okay. Go ahead. A little one um, regarding being a gated community. Are you willing to provide some type of bus stop for the students outside of the on the gated <coughs> community? Excuse me. Um, I think that could be accommodated. Um, we provided that on other subdivisions, um, and um, there's still. I know it's it's. Uh, mentioned that it's gated but the developer is still has that up in the air a little bit whether it's gated or not and obviously they should speak to some private streets and private utilities um, but um, I believe that that could be accommodated fairly easily if, if needed um, and with the, the next step would be starting the design of the preliminary I have a question as well as the postal okay. I have a question for mr. Papa um, we're, we're basically rezoning a portion that was in master plan development Certainly. what happens to the, the existing master plan development do you go back and modify that or how, how do you do that it, it's covered by the that development agreement so it, it's alive for that portion of of the property that remains under within that development. I know it would still apply to the corner piece, but yes, it would sir. say a bunch of other things that don't exist anymore. So you just like strike those out or? Yes, we, we can do that. We can clean up that MPD or if they want to modify it based on the changes now in the, the development pattern. That's a, an application that we'd have to process. And okay. Typically we'll, we'll work with Katie because typically what we do is if it's the entire MPD, we, we do a resolution with city council just to clean up the record. So we'll have to work with Katie. Once we get the city council in the second public hearing, we'll have a resolution that cleans it up. Okay. Any other questions from the board? All right. There are two items here. We're going to open the public hearing. Uh, we're going to do them individually. So the first public hearing will be on item three, which is amending the future land use map. Any member of the public that wishes to address the board, please come forward, state your name and address for the record. You have three minutes. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, planning board members. My name is Lori Canan, and my husband Frank and I reside at 24 Lama Trail. Our concerns lie with the phase four section of this proposed development. Our property has a city of Palm Coast stormwater ditch located on the east border of the proposed development, running
journey behind it, which starts at Citation Boulevard and runs north to the Iroquois Waterway, just south of Flagler County Airport. The city of Palm Coast doesn't own this property, this, own the property, this portion of the ditch flows through, all they have is a 40-foot easement to maintain it. Since we have lived here, the ditch has never overflowed or became an issue with flooding. However, their proposal for phase four, which includes 46 acres of wet, wetlands, will remove all trees and vegetations that are crucial to maintaining this portion of their property from becoming a flooding hazard. The runoff generated by the roofs, driveways, and street proposed in phase four area could have a negative impact on the existing area. Our second concern is the crossing of the existing wetland area needed to access the phase four location. This crossing is approximately 250 feet long and is a potential hazard hazard to the existing ecosystem, hence 46 acres of wetlands that currently exist within this 108-acre property. There are numerous animals along with a large population of birds that call this home. Crossing this wetland area could change their habitat and landscape forever. As a neighborhood meeting, we asked CPH what mechanism could, was going to be used to cross this wetland area, and they could not tell us what is proposed for this location. Our third concern is about the utilities that would be needed to service this phase four section and how they would cross that same 250 foot long wetland area without becoming a potential hazard to the surrounding wetlands. Our fourth concern for phase four area has to do with the ingress and the egress uh, being of the same location. <coughs> the safety of all proposed 28 households are hinged upon a 250 foot long crossing over existing wetlands. This crossing has a very high probability of flooding and a possibility of brush fires that would isolate these residents and give them no way to evacuate the phase four area. We have sent our concerns via email to St. John's River Wetlands Management District and Mr. Drew, excuse me, Mr. Jordan Myers, who is with the environmental department with the City Palm Coast. Our final concern has nothing to do with the Flagler Village proposed zoning change, but with the increased traffic that will be generated by this proposed development and the ongoing construction of Grand Landings, which, which, now has access, which now has access to Citation Boulevard, escalating the safety and risk for walking, running, or biking along Citation Boulevard. Are sidewalks going to be installed along Citation Boulevard during the construction of either of these projects? That's your three minutes, so try to wrap it up quick if you could. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any other member of the public wish to address the board on item three? Okay, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing on item three and come back to the board. Are there any other questions for the applicant or staff? All right, what's your pleasure? Is the, uh, is the developer going to address the egress and ingress question that the resident raised? Uh, so one of the board members has asked if, this, if the applicant would address the ingress and the yeah, egress Mr. question. Mr. Chairman, I can, I can try to answer some of it, but if, if Mr. Markovich can come up too, okay. there's some, if, if, you, if you want me to. Uh, the ingress, egress, again, we, we previously discussed that you know, our, our land development code and comprehensive plan requires greater than 50 units to have two ways in and out. This is well under that. Um, as far as the crossing, the ecosystems, um, when they come in for a technical site plan, we actually require an analysis of an environmental study and wetland studies and make sure there's no threatened endangered species that are listed or regulated by the Florida Fish.
part of that wetland crossing, not only is the city, our environmental planner, looking at that, but that's also going to go to the St. John's River Water Management District for you know the retention ponds and make, make sure of all that, and uh, also possibly the Department of Environmental Protection as an now for, for wetland regulations to make sure they meet not only the state and our local standards. And um, about the flooding, this this why I called you up here is, you know, uh, Mr. Markovich is an engineer, but you know, in general, um, when it comes to flooding, offsite flooding, uh, the St. John's River Water Management District requires um, a permit, and they the, the engineers need to show uh, reasonable assurances and through through their their ponds and their retention that they're actually um, they cannot. Uh, release water off-site of their property more than what it is doing now as far as nature. But can you elaborate on that, Mr. Mark? Yeah, just and simply if you want to look at the graphic, the, the blue areas uh, on the graphic um, are proposed retention ponds, um, and the, the bigger central ponds will be wet ponds, and then some of the smaller ones probably dry ponds. Um, but uh, as Mr. Kiner has indicated, um, our St. John's permit requirements will require us to um, maintain all stormwater capacity uh, on site. And we are really not allowed to discharge uh, into the adjacent ditches or lake um, until after that, uh, after that <coughs> treatment and volume capacity is you know, maintained within those uh, on-site Just have just a comment on the crossing that those that will be a, a culvert crossing, and the site uh, will require a stormwater model, and in addition to the developed areas, but also um, the uh, the wetland areas to demonstrate to the St. John's that you know we're not impacting um, the, the site of, with any flooding, and and that crossing will be a culverted. Those culverts will be sized to accommodate whatever flows transmit between the north and the south wetland. Uh, probably be big enough for even um, you know, animal use in, in drier periods. And then with that culvert system, um, it, it's, it's not a bridge, but we try to, it's a land crossing, but we try to kind of make it look like a bridge for a Thank you. Any other questions? So, so it's going to be above the wetlands, or <coughs> yes, sir, on the surface. But yeah, it'll be ab above what current elevation the roadways. <coughs> and I think she had a question about the utilities too, going through the same corridor. So um, I assume that the utilities would be within that right of way that you punched through. Yes, sir. Any other questions by the board? Okay. On do you have a question? On item three only, amending the, the future land use designation, is there a motion? I move that the planning board find application 4766 consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend approval to the city council for approval amendment. Second. All right, there's a motion and a second to approve. Uh, Jackie, would you call the roll, please? Mr. Leonard? Yes. Mr. Dugan? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Mrs. Shank? Yes. Ms. Mrs. Smith? Yes.
motion carries six to zero. Thank you. We'll move on to item four. We've had the presentation. Um, there's a public hearing for that as well. So any member of the public that wishes to address the board on the rezoning application, come forward. You have three minutes. All right, seeing no one approach, uh, we will close the public hearing and come back to the board. Are there any final questions on the rezoning for the applicant or staff? Hearing none, is there a motion? Okay, I uh, would move that the planning board uh, and for application 4743 is rezoning MPD to FFR1 find consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend approval to the city council for rezoning from MPD to SFR1. Is there a second? Second. All right, there's a motion and a second. Uh, Jackie, would you call the roll? Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Stone? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shanks? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Motion carries 6 to 0. Thank you. We'll move on to item five, revision to Land Development Code Chapter 10.02, Floodplain Management. Mr. Tyner. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, we're we're going to ask that this item be continued to the August 18th uh, Planning Board meeting. We, the last minute, I think it was Friday, uh, last Friday, we've got some additional comments from the state of Florida um, uh, for our draft ordinance because they had that review. So we want to take some time to review that get back to our stakeholders um, if we have any changes and bring that back to you uh, next month. All right, thank you. We'll move on to item six, amend the comprehensive plan by adding a property rights element as mandated by Florida statutes. Yeah, um, yeah, oh. Mr. Chairman, can we get a motion? You want to have continue? a motion to continue? Yes. Yes. All right, let's go back to item five then. Sorry. Is there a motion to continue to, what, what was the date again, August? August 18th. August 18th. 18th. I'll, I'll make a motion to uh, push the opportunity to review the revision and land development code chapter 10.02 floodplain management to the August 18th. Is there a second? Second. All right, uh, Jackie, would you call the roll? Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shanks? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Motion carries six to zero. All right, thank you. Now we'll move on to, to item six, amending the comprehensive plan by adding property rights element as mandated by Florida statute. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, j just to, uh, this is a something that, um, you know, the bill just passed by the state legislature and Katie can elaborate a little bit on it and, and why we have to do this, so. All right, thank you. Katie? So, um, the state is requiring that we actually adopt an element of our comprehensive plan and they're giving us some leeway in what it says but they want it done right now so it's hard for cities to actually come up with new language so the best policy is to just use the actual language from the statute and what they're requiring is basically just a statement of what the law is anyway, which is, you know, that you have the right to control your property and uh, maintain it for personal use and you can exclude others and you can dispose of it. So there's nothing earth shattering in there, but it's just being mandated for whatever reason. <laughs> um, I, 
I think it's just, you know, there's private property rights um, maniacs, shall we say, <laughs> that, that just want to be sure that cities know they are not to tread on anyone's rights and, you know, this whole preemption movement. I think that's what this is part of is just to make sure that the cities have this so that citizens, if they challenge action taken by the city, can point to this, even though it's not saying anything that's not already embodied within various laws and case law and whatnot. To make it more difficult for a city utility to uh, exercise eminent domain? I don't believe so. I think that's very, very difficult as it is. Um, and, you know, it's protected under our Constitution, our, our rights <coughs> for eminent domain anyway, so it's a higher level. So I don't, I don't think it's really going to change anything. Maybe it just gives somebody an extra, um, an extra thing to point to if they want to challenge a city, but it, it, like I said, it's not really changing anything. What was the uh, Katie? What was the the thinking behind this again? I I think it just I think it just has to do with the the, the general wave within all the, you know a bunch of states, including Florida, of just ensuring that you know you've got legislatures legislators with one idea, and then cities that are maybe doing things they don't approve of. And so you've got this wave of preemption out there where the states are wanting to scold the cities, if you will. And I think this is kind of part of that, just that, you know, look, cities, you will recognize private property rights and you're not going to be putting all these restrictions. At least their perception is that cities are being too restrictive in some cities. And, and, you know, it's typical with these laws that it starts with one city that did something like, um, you know, I know one law regarding gas stations started because Boca Raton had a requirement you know, <coughs> that the gas station have a certain decorative design. So somebody in power down there went to the all of a sudden we have gas station rules. I think it's the same thing here where you've got maybe one city that does, passes a code, some design restrictions or whatever that the le one particular legislator who's powerful um, decides has stepped over the line into inhibiting someone's private property rights. All right, is this something we're recommending approval to the city council? Yes, that's, that's the action you need. All right. Any other questions for Katie? Is there a motion? The staff recommends approval. Staff <laughs> <laughs> recommends approval. Second, within us, or is it? Oh. It goes to city council. Right. Yes. Right. Is there a second to the motion? I second. All right. A motion and a second to 
Recommend approval of City Council. Um, Jackie, please call the roll. Okay. Mr. Leonard? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? No. Mrs. Kelly? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Motions carried 5 to 1. All right. Thank you. Uh, that's it for our agenda. Does the staff have any other items? No, sir, I don't. Does the board have anything it wishes to discuss? All right. Is there a motion to adjourn? I'll offer an a motion to adjourn. <laughs> <laughs> you beat him to it. I did, I did. Is there a second? Yeah, second. All right. All those in favor, just say aye. 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 All right, we're adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.